Hello everyone and welcome to episode number 8 of the Road to Transhumanism show. I'm your host, Elio Jrej, and this podcast's main objective is to inform the public about the technologies that will most probably impact the future of human evolution. My guest for today's episode is my friend, George Lipsharawi, who joins me to predict the future of money and commerce from both the technological and financial aspects. I will also begin by briefly discussing with my guest the history of currency and trade. Hello, George. Hello, Elio. How are you? I'm good, my friend. How's things going with you? Uh, well, everything is fine, really. Um, there's, uh, there's, a lot, there's a lot to talk about. And I'm really uh, thankful for, for you to have it, for having me on. And uh, I hope we can get a lot, of, a lot of things out of this conversation that we have today. I hope so. And I'm very happy to have you on the show. So, George, before we get started, can you briefly introduce yourself, uh, please, to the people who are listening? Yes, of course. Uh, first off, my name is George. I recently graduated from the Lebanese American University. And uh, during my years in university, I was uh, a part of, uh, of our family business. We basically import agricultural equipments to the Lebanese market. And on the side, I launched a startup called CapB. We basically just help startups and SMEs in Lebanon so that may, they may uh, pursue their uh, operations and market. Uh, things that have to do with, uh, with financial services, legal services, uh, marketing strategies. This is what we essentially do for the startup and SME ecosystem. And, uh, and currently we're working on a private investment fund that we were hoping to launch so that we may also uh, fund, uh, fund uh, some businesses in Lebanon and maybe also invest in uh, an alternative, uh, alternative uh, investments, things like digital assets and whatnot. This is what we're up to up to now. And uh, this is what I'm, I'm currently pursuing. Perfect. And uh, good luck with Cat B. I will make sure to, to link all the, the social media accounts and the websites of Cat B in this podcast. And uh, before we kick off, uh, let me just give my definition of transhumanism for the people who are new to this podcast. So for me, transhumanism in a nutshell is the use of technology to give humans the choice of transcending beyond their biological limitations. And that being said, uh, let's begin our discussion. George, when it comes to, to money and trade, humans are the only creatures who understand business. Indeed, the hermit crabs trade their shells as they grow in size, and the chimpanzees can be taught to buy bananas with coins. But none of them really understand the value of money. They do not and cannot believe in its ability to store wealth in the long term, and hence cannot invest nor save. In other words, no other creature except Homo sapiens can give value to fictional entities and trust the future. So how about we travel back long into the past when the first, when the very first tribes decided that barter of food and weapons was more efficient than attacking one another. Can you briefly describe uh, these early days of uh, humans doing business? Yes, of course. So uh, basically um, the homo sapient through evolution, uh, we, we basically came into uh, acknowledging the needs that we have for ourselves uh, between between the necessities and the luxuries of what we can attain in life. So we all know that it first off started like uh, the hunter-gatherer pack 
you know, um, every every community or every close society used to uh, hunt around and whatnot. And after when the when when the human race uh, reached the population, uh, certain communities came in contact and with uh, with uh, with each other, and so they uh, so they either clashed or trade. So the aspect of trade and commerce, this goes, this is rooted back into our own evolutionary uh, process. We, we just learned that commerce and trade is just um, an easier, more uh, facilitated way of coming in contact with someone else and getting what you want, you know, instead of uh, ravaging and uh, ravaging and pillaging uh, each other, we, we just managed to uh, conduct the trade lines and whatnot and things that have to do with commerce and trading seashells and trading stones. And we, uh, we evolved to a point that we now have this, uh, this powerful industry that shapes the world called banking. Um, and it just goes back to, uh, to the same and simple thing that, uh, that we have the, the, the aspect that we need, which concerns commerce. And uh, this is well rooted in, in history when, uh, when nation states or empires used to trade between each other, like, uh, like we talk about the Silk Road, indeed, we talk about the spice trades between, uh, between, uh, the, uh, between empires throughout the units, throughout the uh, history. And we see, we see how these things evolved into, um, into maybe conflicts and combats that led to uh, certain uh, outcomes in which these trades have been facilitated through, um, through uh, shipping, uh, shipping lines. We look at the British Empire, how they, uh, how they managed to take out um, certain, uh, certain colonies that they wanted to uh, take uh, their, uh, their bountiful trades and uh, in order to, uh, you know, uh, survive. So trade is for trade is essentially for the things that uh, we need for survival. You know, uh, there are not everyone. Not everyone has the uh, has the competitive advantage of um, of acquiring or procuring the the needed resources. So we tend to see trade as the easier part, as uh, as facilitating what what connections or what even uh, transactions we have between each other. So George around. 5,000 years ago, after humans discovered agriculture and small tribes turned into larger civilizations, money started to, to emerge. However, and as you described, history, throughout history, currencies and their different forms and shapes have been linked one way or another to different abstract formulations, like languages, nations, legends, and even religions. And in addition to that, through every step in history, technology was shaping currencies. Well, in fact, we moved from seashells, just like you mentioned, to presently cryptocurrencies so rapidly, and this progress is still developing in our modern days. And today with the globalist movement and decentralized digital technology soaring, I believe that tech giants are shaping the future of money beyond traditional beliefs. So my question to you is, we all trust the internet, right? But can we trust it enough as being a medium where humans save, invest, and exchange without having anything concrete as a backup? Well, uh, yes, indeed. You know, there's something about human ingenuity uh, that we always uh, converge to the most convenient, uh, convenient option that we have. You know, 
Uh, first off, we know we, we started with seashells and stones and pebbles and whatnot. And then we, we transcended to, uh, to the idea of gold. Gold just happens to be something very symbolic and esoteric in, in trade and commerce. And people just give it value, you know. Um, what we have around us is, is, are the things that we give value essentially to. And we see this value through its, uh, through its utility, through its use, through, through its uh, unit of account, fungibility, and the tradability, marketability, I would call it. So um, indeed, we started out with, uh, with a rock called gold. Hmm? Then we, then in, uh, in the late 1800s, uh, you have this industry called banking. Banking started to facilitate uh, how commerce and trade emerged okay so it uh, so it helped helped the helped us as um, as um, as humans and as we always seek innovations each and every time we um, we accomplish achievements prior achievements we seek to find uh, ways of facilitating what what may not be in the in the foreseeable future uh, so obvious Okay, I'll give you I'll give you uh, one one example like the cryptocurrencies that we talked today. Nobody could ever think about uh, such things twenty years back, you know. But things change uh, things change through time, and I would argue that yes, you can trust uh, the internet as a medium as a medium of savings and investments and whatnot because uh, the digital age just facilitates many things um, in terms of uh, e-commerce or trading or even or even uh, you see we're meeting each other virtually, you know. Facilitates exactly. a lot of things. This is something. This is something we cannot back off of. It's just simple. It's just simple evolution and sort of transhumanism. It's just something that we can use a technology that we can use to uh, surpass our biological constraints. the The digital the the digital age uh, does not need something of a physical attribute. Okay, uh, there's something important about all of this. Is that the is that there's the idea of convenience, okay? Um, you know, it costs a lot to, let's say, uh, ship a pile of gold from one country to another. Whereas, if you want to, if you want to, uh, if you want to compare, let's say, Bitcoin against gold in that matter, Bitcoin, of course, wins. You know, there's no transaction cost. There's barely any transaction cost. There's barely any transportation cost. It just teleports from one one place to another through the internet. It's as simple as that. This is so convenient to the point that it may actually be the use case for many economies and many many monetary systems around the world. Uh, this is something we we tend to converge to as humans because we always search for something that's more convenient, more easy, and the technologies which I may consider money is one of them. The technologies that we tend to use uh, would always develop and always enhance themselves, just because we have this need inside of us of developing something better, developing something that's more uh, more advanced. It's all the it's all it all has to do with the with the with the prospect of uh, achieving uh, what technological uh, difficulties we have up till now, uh, and uh, what things we may consider are are not so obvious up till now. They may be they may be the use case of normalcy after let's say five years or 10 years. That's how I see it. Exactly. You mentioned uh, two very important notes in, in your answer. First of, all, or, uh, first of all, you said that this aspect of progress and evolving into cryptocurrencies and virtual currencies is exactly transhumanism. We are transcending beyond our biological and materialistic limitations. And that's a very outstanding description of, uh, of the future of currencies and finance. And you mentioned as well that money is technology. So can you just 
reformulated in a few words, how, how do you believe that the future of money, these cryptocurrencies, Bitcoin, NFTs, all these technological progress, how can they come together with transhumanism, with the idea that humans will evolve? They are evolving as we are speaking, and we are going to transcend beyond the previous limitations that we had. Yes, of course. Uh, you see, um, in the past, we used we in order to conduct a transaction, me and you have to go to the marketplace, meet up, and do that. Okay. Now we have this uh, this uh, this sort of convenience. It's more easy for me to find you even on the marketplace through through your website, maybe through uh, through your social media accounts, and we may conduct that transaction even easier by even making a bank transfer or even me. I can send you something from my wallet to yours. This is uh, this is how we transcended through technology to this stage. Uh, now, money money aside is is a tremendous uh, technology. It, um, it just happens to evolve from time to time in order to um, uh, eliminate the barriers to trade eliminate the barriers to commerce now i know i do not i do not need the i do not need no longer to uh, let's say uh, approach you physically and conduct the transaction it's just that i can talk, contact you over over the phone over the laptop and just finish everything quick quick and simple you know it's that degree of convenience um, i do see that uh, cryptocurrencies or digital assets i would call them um, are, are of such convenience because, uh, first off, the banking system itself was uh, was essentially um, established as a means of uh, of fixing such uh, such uh, also fixing such problems for uh, for trade. Um, not a lot of people know, but but uh, so evident that we already operate on on a system on a monetary system that only has digits on the screens, okay? Nothing is much more physical anymore. Um, and, and really, um, cryptocurrencies just, uh, just complement this, uh, this wave of uh, evolution. And at the end, of course, when, when nations would be issuing their own digital currencies, we call them central bank digital currencies, when central banks will be issuing them, a whole new level all new level of monetary monetary facilitations, which many people would uh, which act, would either see in a negative uh, scope or a positive scope, and we could see trade be facilitated uh, off of that. Now we might argue what might be the value behind that. Uh, that's that's a whole other debate for it, uh, but I would say that it's uh, it's indeed something that we're coming from. It is inevitable. Uh, we're always on the search. We're always on the on the run for something that's more easier, something that's more uh, more or easier to come by, actually, and uh, we could see it uh, approaching slowly. And I, I would argue that um, this boom that we're having now in the digital asset space between different cryptocurrencies and DeFi projects, I would equate it to uh, the dot-com bubble back in the year 2000, between 1998 and 2000, uh, because there's so much hype um, on so many on, on so many companies, so many projects that uh, indeed it will come to an end like all business cycles between the bull and Baron. And uh, some players will turn, out to be, will turn out to be the winners and others will turn out to be the losers. And that can, can greatly uh, affect the future of technology, of how we can talk about the currencies uh, that, might, uh, that might wind up or how, uh, or how many projects, DeFi projects, can change uh, the landscape of finance 
commerce and trade. There's a lot. There's a lot to talk about it from this uh, from this aspect, and um, and yeah, that's my take on it. Yes, and uh, I agree with what you're saying, and I believe that that's very similar to the idea of natural selection. So there's the strong projects, and the one that uh, most people will believe in will will turn out to be the one uh, who succeed, and uh, the others will automatically and naturally fail. Yes, yes, the fittest, the fittest out of all. Yes, exactly. And with these technologies booming, and with nanotech implant, implants uh, like the one under development uh, by Elon Musk's Neuralink. The future of human communication and interaction will be digital for sure. And as you mentioned, we're doing this conversation. The proof is we're doing this conversation over Zoom. And in fact, COVID-19 forced companies as well as individuals to transition to virtual telecommunication. And humans are progressively creating the ability to accurately measure and efficiently store the value or worth of our resources. But with the possibility of making instant transactions through, like for example, brain-machine interfaces. Can you describe your viewpoint of the future of money and commerce? Uh, yes. Uh, now, I would I would say I would say about this um, this development, this latest development in technology, that it's again uh, a form of our ingenuity, of our convergence to convenience. Uh, that we're trying to find some some ways to facilitate the contact with other uh, with other human beings, you know, and this would uh, this would tremendously affect commerce and trade in a way that it might eliminate the barriers such as uh, let's say uh, transaction costs, and we may directly contact each other and just conduct a trade, and it could uh, it could really really help us out in um, in finding and maybe finding the suitable uh, the suitable person of of trading with. Or even knowing uh, knowing of who might be uh, selling this product or who might be buying this product, uh, it's a way of the marketplace. It's a way that the free market um, can find can find the can find the the simplest and the best solutions that outfit um, all others. You know, um, it goes back to the idea that you said. It's like uh, natural selection. Okay, the the fittest the fittest always survives. The fittest idea always survives. The most uh, ample and convenient solution always uh, always takes it around, and um, I would say that um, this this feat of uh, technology it facilitates a lot of things and just takes out a lot of hurdles when it comes to um, to commerce. Okay, but can you speak here of a of a of a danger that is coming up in in the coming years when it comes to these advancements in technologies? Like for instance, uh, here's a here's a cliche, cliche question: Do you think uh, AI algorithms will outperform humans in doing business, and specifically in the financial market? Yes. Uh, now, you, now look. Uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of um, debate over that in financial and capital markets. Uh, we already are in effect under the effect of uh, CTAs, computer trading algorithms. Um, they tend to facilitate the trades and and the <clears throat> and the fluctuations in uh, in the in the market, whether it be in the stock market or the or in the bond market or even now in the digital asset space. Um, these things have really um, emerged in a way in the early two thousands. They have emerged in you know uh, out of the need of uh, of finding arbitrage between markets. You know. Uh, there's a lot of funds and a lot of uh, companies that uh, profess in this uh, field. They they win a lot of money in 
and doing these activities. And they do affect the, uh, the whole market. However, I would not argue that they may outperform the human in finding out the latest trends or in finding out um, the best trades or, or how much profit they can do because we, we, simply, we simply cannot input enough, enough uh, variables or enough code into these machines so that, that, that they may um, know what's going to happen afterwards. You know? There are a lot of things unexpectedly that can happen. I'll give you one example. Uh, last, year, last year in March 2020, you know, a big crash happened in the stock market in the US and all of the world went into some sort of a recession, if you can call it, okay? If not depression. Um, the thing is, uh, these CTAs, these algorithms that tend to trade on the market, they assume they assume many things, many variables that are that were implanted into their code. Uh, they assume that the market will always be stable, hmm? most of them, and they they would uh, they would actually go to the point of actually um, arbitraging the trade, uh, finding uh, finding places that are cheaper than the than the uh, than the other, and they just equate the prices and sell and buy. It's just a normal operation. We'll go into that too deeply. So these uh, these mechanisms, these organ these uh, algorithms, they could not have predicted such a crash, you know. Whereas us humans, we could, and a lot of people have outperformed since then. Um, we see this in the. You can look at. You can look up uh, the volumes and the charts of the market trading that day on March twenty third, twenty twenty. If I'm not mistaken, uh, you can see how the trades were. They were just out of whack, really. Uh, these algorithms were just trading. Um, so uh, uh, they were just trading uh, so uh, unusual in an unusual sense because they're program because they're programmed to do this. Okay, then there are certain. Um, risks and losses and tolerances that are built inside their code that they cannot uh, exceed this code. Okay, this is this is something uh, that a lot of people might uh, might see it, but they may fear that they may outperform the human being in some way. I will always say that no, this, this, is, this cannot be the case. Really, the human will always uh, outperform any algorithm. These algorithms only only exist just because the markets have been have been steady and stable since, since two thousand and nine. There's nothing much um, to, uh, to even argue about. And do you believe, is it because our uh, ability to picture fiction or is it because our ability to, uh, our ingenuity and in, uh, in our intuition or our ability to, to be affected by our emotions and by simple, uh, like, in, in what terms do you, do you think that uh, AI algorithms and uh, in the future, Super artificial intelligence uh, algorithms cannot perform human beings. In, in what aspects of uh, looking into financial problems? Oh, okay. There's always the emotional part, you know. There's always uh, this part that machines, no machine has it. You can't teach them emotion at the end. Um, concerning financial markets, um, a lot of we we always see these things. A lot of uh, a lot of funds gigantic funds, I would say, systemically important funds. That means if they fail, uh, they take down the system with them. Um, a lot of funds operate on, on these algorithms. And that is, uh, that is sort of problematic because they tend to influence the market in a negative way and where uh, logical and emotional human beings cannot, uh, cannot have, a, have, a, have a sway in the market. So this tends to be a systemic problem for us. Now, the thing is, there's a structural problem in this. Um, it, it, it's, uh, it's because of 
um, it's just because of the market mechanism that a lot of companies, because of virtual their size, they tend to adopt such strategies of uh, taking in algorithms and trading with them. This leaves out the the human, the normal the normal human uh, from the from the game. You know, a human can only conduct like what three trades in one second, whereas uh, high frequency trading HFT machines they tend to conduct thousands of uh, of trades in milliseconds even. Uh, this has its own effect. Mm -hmm. And this can this can really describe our our maybe need to converging for a profit um, as a mechanism of a free market. And um, however, however, of course, it has its downsides. The only thing is that uh, such uh, such algorithms cannot predict what can happen. So they cannot fully predict what can happen. They just assume upon their variables which they have inside their code. Okay, and uh, optimally, and uh, and an ideal case, I believe that. And I share this belief with many people in the transhumanist uh, movement that one day uh, the singularity is near as, uh, as it can be observed. And that's what uh, A. Kurzweil predicted. And uh, in, in this uh, not so near future, I hope that AI or neural networks, artificial neural networks can one day be merged into the uh, biological neural network of uh, human beings and uh, in, uh, in this era we can hopefully benefit from uh, or hopefully eliminate both downsides that are present in artificial uh, intelligence and in human uh, human in ingenuity and i believe in such a case uh, i don't know what will happen to the to the financial market i believe we perhaps won't need money anymore what can you say about it well, uh, it's, I would say it's not always a, an extreme case, you know, there's always uh, a bit of everything, you know. Um, uh, now, without a doubt, such, uh, such movements in the tra transhumanist community um, or such beliefs are, are really beneficial to the human race. I would say that, and I, tru and I, and I truly do believe in, in a lot of things that you guys uh, advocate for. And I do see, I do see a place for technologies such uh, the likes of Neuralink uh, that may facilitate um, daily human life, daily activity. Okay, and I do, I do also believe that um, there's a lot of uh, benefits to it. Mm -hmm. um, however, when it comes to financial markets, things can be distorted. Things can be distorted when you have a lot of algorithms trading against each other and trading for the same thing. It just creates a systemic problem. That's it. Uh, the thing is that it's um, it's like uh, it's a natural evolution of our instinct of uh, of attaining profit as a free market, mm -hmm. because at the end uh, nobody go, goes in for nothing. You know, there's something to profit out of. You have your own embedded interest, and it's inside of us. Uh, however, if you combine that with the human ingenuity, and you want and you're seeking profit, you'll come up with something that would always generate that that thing that you're uh, pursuing, which is profit in this case. And you would wind up um, developing a lot of new techniques. A lot of people, by the way, depend on such uh, such algorithms, such computers, uh, for attaining the for attaining such profit. However, when when the market becomes so diluted in in, uh, in these things, it, it, it's just not uh, just not as beneficial as it were. I would uh, I would tell you that uh, the returns uh, the returns that these machines have accomplished since the two thousands the mid two thousands are are practically not as much as now okay in percentage we would speak about that it's just the it's just that the human uh, the human factor has slowly diminishing 
Um, and of course, uh, of course, capital is uh, being diverted to other markets where these CTAs do not do, do barely exist. So uh, this is my case on it. Okay. And uh, George, one last question I'm thinking about right now. Um, in a previous episode, we, we spoke about Bitcoin and uh, I know that you're an expert in this area. And we said that uh, Bitcoin may be the, the currency of the future. But do you believe that one day we will, after we reach this, uh, for now it's a fictional point in time where technological singularity will, will happen and where we cannot anymore distinguish between, uh, between humans and machines. Do you believe that money will disappear? I am asking this question again, and we will go back to a new form of barter, a digital barter where data is the only currency? Okay, this is this is very this is a nice question. Uh, now I would say now I would argue that the definition of money is too broad. Okay, anything can be you can you can assume anything to be money. Really, uh, money is complex. And it's a it's such a it's such a complicated uh, it's such a complicated technology that even even the brightest economists cannot uh, define money. Okay. Uh, money is something that we give value to, and it has to be a medium of transaction, unit of account, uh, and uh, it has to it has to also have its own uh, its own reserve value. Okay, it, the, because because every time you use money, you do not want uh, its value uh, uh, depreciating. Okay, so we have this. Uh, if you combine all of these three. We see that gold used to be like this. However, as we progress in time and as we find more convenient options of conducting transactions, of, uh, of searching for, for methods of payment that are much easier, you find Bitcoin to be something of, uh, of superior value. Uh, why? Because first off, Bitcoin is not a company. It is not owned by anyone. It was uh, some, some pseudo name called Satoshi Nakamoto came up with it. He might be a person, he might be a group. And it emerged as a as a so-called cryptocurrency. I wouldn't call it that. Um, and it has its own value. It's uh, it has a hard cap of 21 million. Eventually, by 20, 2140, the year 2140, it will will reach that cap. And um, it has more of a, more of a discipline when you when you look into the embedded technology of it. We uh, we we talk about the block size. The block size of uh, of in the Bitcoin protocol is one megabyte. Okay. Whereas others, the hard forks of Bitcoin, like Bitcoin Cash, things that derive from Bitcoin, like Litecoin, they have they have their own uh, they have their own sizes, and they are controlled by uh, by private companies. What the, what differentiates Bitcoin off of all of these is that it's something that is not controlled by anyone. It's a protocol uh, that actually advocates for uh, for freedom. Now I might be talking philosophically about Bitcoin because it has a lot of uh, benefits to it. And it offers a lot of uh, a lot of benefits against gold. One of them is, uh, is transportation. You would go through a lot of problems transporting a ton of gold instead of transporting well uh, something that equates to that value in Bitcoin. Okay, exactly. Um, I, I would say that. However, uh, currency currencies that we see now they don't have to be physical. They don't have to be uh, our money. What, what you say what you're saying about talking about they don't have to be physical anymore it's all digital okay and what's the most the most superior form for me the most superior form of, uh, of data of information uh, is price that thing called price that that uh, that price tag you see on anything that is information 
uh, in and of itself. It's something important. Huh? Like you see the prices in the market for everything. It tells you a lot about one thing. If, if the price is high, it tells you something. If the price is low, it tells you something. But of course, there are other fundamentals to it. The most important, uh, the most important thing about it is that we identify this as data, as information, which is also crucial uh, from the point of view that you're considering some value inside of it. And uh, I would see, I would see a lot of, a lot of uh, use case for data as uh, for data or information, any, it can be anything, data or information about anything, and business intelligence, whatever it may be, for, uh, for, for having value, for proposing its own value, and for, uh, for, for conducting its use case. So this is my take on it. Thank you. Thank you for this elaborate uh, answer. And uh, you're listening now to episode number eight of the Road to Transhumanism podcast, during which George Elbsharrawi and I talked about the past, the present, and the future of money and trade. George Lipsharawi, I wish you all the best. Thank you for this interesting conversation. But Thank you so before, much, we, before we end this conversation, do you have any final thought or recommendation you would like to give? Uh, yes, well, I do. Um, I encourage everyone to look at the, technology, the technologies that are emerging these days because they simply can uh, show you a lot of opportunities that lay ahead of us. It's good to be up to date uh, on everything that's going on around the world, good to be aware of yourself and good to know the things that us humans can always offer, the things that we always converge to, the things that we always search for, uh, for, for, for means of convenience, for means of, uh, of easily conducting anything in life. This is something really important I encourage everyone to uh, look after. Thank you. Thank you, George. And for everyone listening, thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe to this podcast on Spotify and Rami, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and all of your favorite platforms. I'll talk to you in the next one. Stay safe. Thank you.